First Chronicles 29, 14, David is, is speaking. And if you recognize this verse, you will know that it's just before he turns the kingdom over to Solomon, his young son. Listen, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? They have been receiving gifts to build the tabernacle or build the house of God because they had worshiped in the tabernacle. David was not permitted to build the house of God. He was a man of war. God said, no, your son Solomon's going to do it. And God chose Solomon, who, and this is what is astonishing to me. He was just a lad of a boy. And God is getting ready to turn his entire kingdom over to just a young boy. Most of us would have said, hey, he's too young. He doesn't have any experience. He hasn't learned enough. I would have thought that. And so would you. But you know what? God said, I want somebody that is sincere enough that they'll seek me for my will rather than just going by the traditional wisdom of men. And he selected Solomon. And so David has got all this stuff ready to build the house of God. And he said, who am I and who are our people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? And this incredible statement, everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Did you see that? What did we give God? Only, say it out loud, only what comes from your hand. Who had it first? God. How did we get it? He gave it to us. For just a few minutes, let me talk to you from this subject, from his hands through our hands. Not to our hands, but through our hands. Because God's not interested in hooking up with somebody that is only going to be about give me and give me more and let it stop with me. Many times in the Middle East, I visited the Dead Sea. It's an extraordinary place, lowest place on the planet, well below sea level. It is a vast sea. The Jordan River empties into it, winds and twists its way, almost in a serpentine manner to empty itself into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is extremely uh, hot, or it's in an area that is very warm, a desert, water vapor constantly evaporating, and therefore the mineral content of the Dead Sea is so heavy that you can't even sink in it if you try to walk into it. You can't sink even if you try. You float. It's like, it's like being in a liquid that's almost solid. It's poisonous, though. And one of the tragedies of the Dead Sea is because it only takes things in and never gives out, that it has so much mineral content in it that it will kill you if you drink it. Hardly anything at all can live in it. God's not interested in blessing people so they can become a Dead Sea. And that's one reason some people never get blessed because they promise God things like, if you'll bless me, I'll give. And that's not how it works in the kingdom. You give, God says, I'll bless you. Because he knows that if you can't give before you get blessed and you're making $100 and $10 is too much of a tithe to give, what are you going to do if you're making 100000 and he, you have to owe God 10000 which is his tithe? 
You can't give 10. You sure are not giving 10,000. And God knows that. Amen. Can I hear somebody say amen? Oh, yeah. I mean, God doesn't play games with us. And in this particular story, David is pointing out that God gives to us and we have accumulated all of this to build your house because you gave it. It came from your hands to ours and now we're putting it back in yours. Seven key principles here. Number one, they made provision for giving. The key word in this whole chapter, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, is prepared. Look at verse 2. Now with all of my ability, I have provided. Again in verse 3, I have already provided. Verse 16, O Lord our God of this abundance that we have provided to build you a house. Verse 19, to build the temple for which I have made provision. You see, David didn't go to church like many of us do, saying when I get there, I'm going to reach in my pocket and get something out and put it in the offering. David made provisions for what he was going to give. He planned his giving. And that's one reason that tithing is still so important because it requires you to plan your financial budget around giving to God first. Amen. Another verse, he says, we have made plans, preparations, and provision for our gifts to God. Amen. David planned his giving. He didn't go to church and just show up and, and find himself either, either moved or not moved by someone taking the offertory. And, and if he was moved, give a lot. And if he wasn't, ah, better luck next time. Try harder next week. That wasn't how David was. David planned his giving before he went to the house of God. And that's what you ought to do. That's what I've learned to do. I don't wait till I walk in the doors to decide what I'm going to give. Oh, somebody in the building needs to say amen with me. And number two, in this story, we find out to give your money is to give of yourself. Look at verse 5. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord, David asked, as he's receiving the gifts of the people. Now, he's talking about gold and silver, but he really breaks it down and says it's not just your gold and silver. Who's willing to give yourself? Because when you give your finances, you're giving your life. Because when you work on a job, you have contracted with an employer. That employer says, your time is worth so much to me. That time comes right out of your allocation of time that you will spend alive on this planet. It's your life. And he gives you a paycheck that, that represents a certain portion, 40 hours of your life. And when you give to God, just like the employer was giving you something for your life, you're giving your life to God. It's about the heart. Amen. And as I said, we have entered into a place, most of us, over these years to worship Sunday after Sunday that never cost us a dime. Somebody else sold candy underneath the overpass at I-10. I'm serious. That's, that's, that's how they did it. Sold pies that they baked. Barbecue dinners. And spaghetti dinners. I'm talking about the founders of this church. So that we, all these years later, could come together and have a place on Sunday morning to worship the almighty God. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. 
Amen. And you know what I want to do? I want to hand the ball off to those coming behind me. I want to lateral the ball off to the next generation and say, somebody built us a place. We're going to build one that's going to serve our children and our grandchildren for years to come. Amen. Number three, this passage shows that we should give with a willing heart. Verse six, then the rulers of the father's household and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and of a hundred with the overseers of the king's work offered willingly. David said, we're building God a house, but I'm not going to levy a tax. Kings could do that, you know. Kings could demand a tax, whether you wanted to pay it or not, and they could send people to your door to collect it. We don't do that here. Our S does it, but we don't do it. Amen. I'm serious. Government decides, they're always wanting to raise your tax money. And the bottom line is I'm trying to show you there is a way for you to recession-proof your life. No matter how bad the economy gets, God never gets broke, never has a hard time, never has a paycheck bounce, never runs out of resources. That's why shale is not your source, it's your resource. God is the source of your life and your strength. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, somebody in the building hear what I'm talking about right now. Amen. Verse 9 says, The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. In verse 17, With joy I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. That's what David said. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And this is why what we do in a few minutes is between you and God. It's all about you and God, not about me. I'm not going to check what you're giving. You need to just listen to God because your future blessing depends upon you responding. Unless you want to get locked into where you are for the next 25 years. If you want to climb to the next level, you're going to need God's help getting there. Amen. And what I'm here today is to do is simply promise you that you can't outgive God. I've learned it. So give joyfully. Number four, this passage shows us they actually played follow the leader in their giving. What do I mean by that? You hear a lot these days about leading from behind, and I'm not knocking the president, but a lot of people are talking about leading from behind. Look, in giving, you can't do that. I'm not going to stand up here and say, I'm the pastor, y'all give. Uh-uh. That's why we had Saturday night a week ago, 250 of our leaders of this church, people that are regarded as pillars in the church, stable people that everybody else looks up to that are going to be here if the doors are open, regardless of what goes on. They got together and they pledged before we ever came to the church. You know why? Because that's a biblical principle. Leaders need to get out in front and lead. Amen. And as I said the other night, look, I learned a long time ago that God is my source. You, you, some of you know it, but most of you don't. I've given a third of my income to God for many, many years now. Once you have an encounter with God, as you've heard me say, money doesn't mean anything anymore. Once you discover heaven's treasure, earthly treasure fades into insignificance. Oh, yeah. 
Once there was a time when gold caused a gleam in my eye, but once I've seen heaven's treasure, all of a sudden gold lost its luster. Amen. I found a treasure worth living and dying for. Oh, hear what I'm talking about right now. Amen. So long, long ago, I stopped, I stopped being just a tither. Amen. And I've been giving a third of my income to the Lord for years. When I travel, all these conferences I do, I even have them make, make the checks out to Christian Tabernacle. And I put it directly in the missions. I've never kept a dime of that for years and years. I live on the salary this church gives me. And my salary, just so you'll know, is probably less than most of you where the husband and wife work. That's true. Amen. And I'm happy with it. Don't ask for any more. I'm content. But God spoke a figure to me to give the other night. And he actually spoke it before that, that, that get-together with our leaders. And I did some quick math. And I said, God, you realize that's 37% of my income? You're asking for, I already give you a third. And God said, so, what are you asking here? Are you going to obey or not? I said, just saying, God, it was an observation. That was all. Of course I'm obeying. That was never the question. Just forget it. Zip. Amen. You hear what I'm talking about? Because God miraculously provides. And do you know that since God spoke to me about that pledge, and it is a significant amount, do you know this? Do you know that he's already provided half of it that I'm going to be able to give next Sunday and First Fruit Sunday? Don't ask me where it came from. Uh, you're not as happy about that as I am. But maybe if you would listen to God, you could experience the supernatural. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you to step out and do. Let go of the boat. It'll change your life. Oh, but there's some preacher in Los Angeles that misused the money. He'll answer to God for that. This is Houston. It's not L.A. Amen. David gave from his personal wealth first. Verse 3, the treasure I have of gold and silver. And then, then principle number 5, in reality, and I'm closing, it's all God's anyway. It's all God's. Isn't that what our text said? But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? From his hands through ours. Not to ours, through ours. Don't hoard it all. Years ago, John Maxwell told the story of one of our, our representatives to the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. First name was James. I've, I've tried to look it up on the Internet to remember his last name. I can't. But it was one of our House of Representatives members, our congressman. He took his son to McDonald's. And like all kids, his son loved McDonald's. You never met a kid that didn't like McDonald's, right? And he loved their french fries. And just between me and you, they got the worst burger in the business, but the best french fry in the business. And so I can understand this kid. I wouldn't walk across the street for a Big Mac, but french fries, that's another matter. Amen. And he buys his son some french fries, and he supersizes it, and he sits down, and he reaches over to take one of the french fries, and his son does this. And builds a fort around his french fries and says, you can't have my french fries. And James, the one I'm referring to, the congressman, sat there a little nonplussed and looked at his son. And he said, doesn't he realize 
who really owns these things? Doesn't he know who bought them? And that's how many of us are. I'm here today to tell you God owns your french fries. Don't be stingy with God. He's the one that gave them to you. I listened to Mike talk a while ago. He understands it came from God through my hands. Amen. It's all God's anyway. Amen. When we look at this, we're, we're you know, these days, we like to think we did it, right? We did it. Whatever success we have, we did it. We've forgotten about the words of the old song by Andre Crouch. If I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. To God be the glory. Ah, I wish to, hey, hey, give me the glory. Amen. I'll pose for a picture. Amen. Put it on Facebook. Tweet it and everything else, you know. Social media. Hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. And that's sometimes to our own detriment and hurt. The story is told of a scientist who, among many others, felt like man had been so well educated at this point, so well informed, and technology had advanced so much that we've outgrown our need for God. And so he began to make the boast, we don't need God anymore. We can clone animals. We have unlocked the, the DNA code. We can transplant hearts. We can do things that were once considered to be miraculous and supernatural. And God listened and one day showed up and said, oh, you think you've outgrown me, have you? And the scientist says, that's right. We can do what you do now, God. And the God patiently heard him out and then said, I tell you what, I'll challenge you to a contest. How's that? And the scientist said, let's go. I'm ready. And God said, let me see you make man, and I'll make a man. And the scientist picked over, bent over, picked up a handful of dirt, and God said, whoa, time out. Go make your own dirt. <laughs> Everything we have comes from God. The very dirt you were made of, the very, oh, you hear what I'm talking about. The money that brought you to where you are right now, God gave it to you. Number six, giving is to be entrusted to a faithful administrator. Verse eight, whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in care of Gehiel, the Gershonite. The Gershonite Gehiel, he was a member of, of the tribe of Levi. And his job was significant and that of his family members. They were the ones that administrated the finances and resources of the kingdom. David didn't. They did. The resources of the house of God. And in today's world, one of the reasons that the church has been messed up is because what we've done is we've had people in charge of things they shouldn't be in charge of. I stepped off the finance committee when I came here. I said, I don't want to be on it. I don't want to be the one that people look to to pay every bill and want to know where the money goes. We have trusted people like Brenda Roark and Tony Bird on our finance committee and our board of trustees that oversee the, the assets of this corporation. And you know what? Those guys hold me accountable. So you don't need to worry. Just like the last time we gave for the Take the Land project, I didn't get a cent of that. I gave to that program. Substantially, I was among the top three givers in the church. So if you're thinking I'm going to get a new car out of it 
or a ski lodge in Aspen or a beach home in Maui. I'm just letting you know I won't get nada out of that at all. Other than a seat in a brand new sanctuary on Belt 8 where I can go and worship the almighty God and watch Christian Tabernacle grow. Amen. Number seven, and I finish with this, they gave with joy. Chronicles 20, 29 and 9, First Chronicles, the people rejoiced at the willing responses of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king rejoiced also.